Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit Measures Podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Here we are, back on Tuesday. Long three-day weekend for us here in the U.S. Had a little bit of a Fourth of July weekend. We have an extra holiday on Monday, so just getting back to work today. Happy Tuesday, gentlemen. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back. It is a Tuesday. I feel how like are, we, how are, yeah, go ahead. These three day weekends, I feel like we should do Wednesdays for our, our podcast because maybe that's actually <laughs> better because it, it may, it forces you to get into the work mode. Oh, it totally does. One Tuesday, I would love to actually yeah. not wake up at whatever time we wake up for this. You, you get up a lot earlier than everyone else, though. I know, but I didn't feel yeah, like come it. Come on, today. man. Don't, don't play. You got, you got the youngest kids of all. I know. You're I, got, I got, I got shoved to 545 this morning. True. I have a foot in my face. Yeah. So that's yeah, awesome. That's good stuff, man. You guys have good, good fourths. I did. It's surprising it was good. to me that, uh, well, maybe not. You got, I was going to say, like, it's surprising to me that, like, May 4th is May, May the 4th be with you, but that, that makes sense because, you know, May hmm? as opposed to July. Are we just figuring July the 4th or? be with you? Hey, like I said, sometimes I need a day <laughs> between, you know, to get the brain working, but <laughs> <laughs> we're still just, just firing up years. here. Yeah amazing well, well did you guys have good force good fireworks good all the, the whole parties and all that our fireworks yesterday actually got rained out so we're actually doing a, a retake on fireworks on i think it's friday or saturday they they rescheduled them already so we'll be doing a rerun of some fireworks so i'll have to nice. catch it a little bit later did you go watch any set yeah there's rained out as well we uh we didn't go to any major fireworks just the neighborhood we went ones to a, a, a party on the third may or may not have had to play firefighter may or may not we'll leave it's it there a, let's just say it's a story it's a, <laughs> it's a story it's an offline story that's amazing, <laughs> that's amazing. But yes had a fantastic time at a friend's house awesome yeah well, there's so many stories i have with fireworks like in college and like well, there's a lot of uh like you know younger kids in the neighborhood that I want to like tell them like, oh, you know what we used to do? I'm like, yeah, I don't want to give them those ideas. Nope. So no, no firefighting wars with Roman, Roman candles against each other. You know? Yeah. Right. We did that. We played chicken with a mortar once. That was a great idea. So yeah, that doesn't sound like a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's nothing quite like a, a friend regaling horror stories from his childhood about Roman candles as your son is holding one. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you that, yeah. that amps it up a little bit. It's right. Fun. That happened this year, so that's exciting. <laughs> Put it down. That's it. Put it down. Not <laughs> we are done. We are done with this game. Amazing. There's a lot of Harry Potters as a kid with the Roman candles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What, what words were you saying when you said it though? Because Harry Potter has. <laughs> I would say Harry Potter. I would just say Harry Potter. That's even better. <laughs> pretty, sure, pretty sure that's not how it works, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the name of the spell but okay we'll go with it it works when you're in college yeah never mind i'm gonna leave it at it that works when you're right. 21 yeah i get it okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> awesome that's good stuff uh any kind of events or things coming up here recently i think we've got an event coming up today actually Tommy? we do we actually have our uh i guess our july user group or june july user group the lazy june user group we'll call it yes correct so <laughs> we're doing a user group tonight 6 p.m central and it's going to be all about exploring PowerShell and Power BI. And just really, it's not so much learning PowerShell as much as using the resources online on, on GitHub, on what the community has done. And just what I can amazingly you plug and play. 
And so you don't need the experience in PowerShell. You don't need all this, you know, time to learn. It's a lot of times just you need a few simple ideas, a few secret keys, a few tenant IDs or client IDs, and you're ready to run. Breaking down the barriers, Tommy. It's Breaking do. down the barriers. Love it, man. So we're going to try to it. I might need to have you as my translator as I'm talking just to put things in layman's terms. <laughs> but I think we'll be all right. So, no, we're going to go through how to do how to pull your activity uh, automatically for your entire tenant. Uh, we're going to pull how to get your refresh history and then how to use your best practice analyzer across your entire tenant and make a report out of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, now, you're, yeah. now you're speaking my language. There we go. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, and other announcements. Um, there is a Data Insight Summit coming up. And with uh, Explicit Measure Podcast, we, we partnered up with them. Um, we will be speaking at it. Tommy and I will be there. Uh, I'll do a pre-con. I've got two sessions. Tommy's doing a session as well. Um, at it's in Chicago. So for those of you who want details, I'll put that in the chat window as well. It's the Data Insight Summit, um, and you can get you can find the website at datainsightsummit.us. And if you want a hundred dollars off of your um, non early bird registration, you can get a uh, promotion twenty two is at checkout. So use the the promo code uh, promotion twenty two at checkout to get a hundred dollars off. If you want to go join the Data Insight Summit in Chicago, there's going to be a lot of big names there. They've announced all the people. Yeah. Check out the website. There's a lot of um, great people who are speaking, uh, people across the MVP community that I'm excited to go see and listen to. So um, you should join us. And Power we'll behind pizza. Perfect. <laughs> nice. Exactly right. I think that's it for announcements. Every, anything else that we need to catch up on? It's only it, we, been taking yeah. it slow, just like us, right? Well, like the funny thing, it feels like it's been a while since we've talked, but it's still been the normal schedule. Like nothing's changed. Yeah, it does feel weird when you have a long day, a long weekend when you're not yeah. working on Monday, and you're like, it feels like it's been forever. But there's a bit of like catching up. Like, how you been? We haven't talked in so long. <laughs> <laughs> True statement. All right, well, we can jump into today's topic then. I guess we'll just jump right into it. Today is, uh, Tommy. You should say it like an Italian. <laughs> So, what's your problem or maybe like a new yorker maybe maybe someone from new york i don't know if that's a that's a slang saying <laughs> well it's not really it's not really an italian saying but it is like you know what's your problem you know what how do you do problem solving this is going to be our topic for today okay well you can make anything an italian new york statement by just using the hand symbol that's true put three together yep. two away and what's your problem what's your problem see okay. it sounds better when you say it thank you mike there so. you go so I'm glad I can come for the, the acting skills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to so, look yeah, at I mean, Today it is we're the title we had a little fun with. <laughs> I'm walking here. It's another good one. Um, that's if we should do that for a topic. But what's your problem? It's all about the different ways we problem solve in Power BI. And I think this is it's a little wider spectrum, right? It's not necessarily one specific area. Um, we all I think love the idea of the puzzle pieces. Obviously we have the Legos behind Mike, but this is very much in either a report that's broken or really when we are uh, tasked with a new project. I think this is what we love, kind of the hunt, so to speak, of trying to figure out something that is not unsolvable, but there is no solution. And using Power BI, using the, the arsenal we have, in our skill sets through being able to do ETL, being able to get uh, using our DAX transformations, but also using, um, I think, really the scheme of trying to get things structured. 
and because there's a mindset that you kind of get introduced to using Power BI that you can apply in other areas. So it's very much in that area that, okay, what what are the ways that we actually problem solve? How have we used that in the past and what are the approaches that we take? I like this a lot. I think um, they call this, I guess this would be another term, you get into the flow where something is just hard enough that you can't, you haven't quite figured it out, but it's mm -hmm. not so hard that it's impossible for you to do. And I feel like when I'm doing data solutions or figuring out problems with around data, it's it, I start hitting that that flow state. It's just difficult mm. enough for me to like be interested in it, and, but it's not so hard that I know I can't fix it, kind of thing. So like I know it's it's in that it's in that sweet spot of just out of reach, and I just got to reach for it a little bit more. And I feel like a lot of these data solving issues or challenges um, fit that need for me. And I'll I'll maybe also note this as well. After you do data for a while. It seems like I'm starting to see a lot of repeatable patterns on how data needs to come in and how data needs to go out. Mm -hmm. So now that I've been doing a lot more of the data engineering workloads, there's only like there's probably there's always edge cases to the pattern. There's always something that's a bit different. But as I think about how do I prepare data for Power BI and how Power BI likes to see data in star schemas, I feel like I'm getting a much better understanding of what are the tasks or what are the things I need to accomplish quickly to get to a portion where I can make the report work. That's just kind of maybe a perception I have. I saw you nodding your head there, Seth. Spot on, man. Feel like the yeah, same? I, I mean, well, that's what they, that's experience, right? Like you, you start to build up a repertoire of all of the things that could go wrong and they, they definitely keep falling into the same buckets just in yeah. different ways. Yep. And I think that's what helps you triage them faster. I would agree um, with that. I, I, I really do like your analogy of, of it being somewhat in a box, right? Mm -hmm. Right, and maybe mm -hmm. that's just us being very comfortable with data after many years, right? But you don't, you don't think, I don't ever walk into a problem thinking that there's no solution or like the data is not going to tell me where it broke. Yes, right? correct. Like there, you'll always find where something happened. Like the the reasons I think are exponential, <laughs> but, you know, depending on what what sorts of data you're, you're or how varied your correct. data is in your system. Yes. Um, or it could just be the same thing all the time. But then then I would say, like, put something in place. Yeah, really problem solving the problem right? there. Yeah. Because you can, you can solve these problems. I think in two ways what's exciting is not only do you solve the problem, but if you see it repeating, there's ways in which you can figure out how to correct it. Correct. Yes. No, and I think we're all in agreement. There, There is an underlying current of the same things we do every day. There's, a, there's very much a methodology or mindset that you realize you adopt. Mm -hmm. And in terms of, like, when whether the, the first time you're dealing with it, you're like, well, this will never work. I need to figure out a different way of doing this. And I can't, I couldn't even begin to explain the amount of different things almost outside of Power BI that have been introduced to where you're realizing like, oh, in order for it to work, you kind of have to create a different schema this way. What about primary keys? Like these, yes. these little things to make things scalable because of the problems that I think we've dealt with in the past or problems we've created ourselves where the other side of this too is I, I think if we didn't like problem solving in this sphere, we would not be in this industry for very long. Well, first because... and foremost, I don't create problems. I solve them. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be clear. All my here. stuff is all my stuff perfect. is perfect. Hey, number one. Right from the get go. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it man. is so ironic that you say that. <laughs> I, I I know for a fact I that I may that's... have been digging in old code today, like this weekend. Yeah. 
let me get my notebook Ooh. out. Yes, exactly. Well, I I know that that is that is a snarky comment there because I know that is not true. There, there I was uh, I I I try to do the best I can to write clean, right. understandable, well articulated code, but it doesn't always happen, and sometimes you cut corners. This happens. But I, I wouldn't even say it's cut corners, right? Like it's the you can't expect that code is constantly going to evolve with everywhere with all the business decisions in the mm -hmm. data land. That's right? true. There's a lot of business logic that we stick into places where point in time it makes a lot of sense to put there. That makes sense. But but you know there are occasion where that is the problem. Like there was a piece that was never updated. Yep. Right. right. Or exactly right. Uh, there are systems that no like changed in how that data is used and stored mm. and they didn't remove it from the old place but the new place is actually accurate the old places is, isn't sure right? like there's yep. a lot of that stuff yeah. that goes on all the time um within our ecosystems i think and this is very much the part two where there's no notebook or book or textbook that's going to introduce you to these ideas unless you actually run through it. We're like, I got the solution. And then you're dealing with, obviously we're dealing with other people. They can do something, introduce a, a new variable into your process that you thought was, un, you know, un, unbreakable. It breaks. And then we have to figure that out. So this is very much that experience and also just understanding what can break things what are the variables that can be introduced that we're not aware of i i want to i have i have a oh so say ahead, I, I feel like to your point seth that you were saying there just a second ago there's this concept and i, I don't know if the, the exact name of it and someone maybe be able to, to tell me in the chat window I, I feel like the coined term is data drift right the data you you built your process on top of was a certain way and over time for whatever reason another team changes how the data is being generated the data just comes in a little bit differently. So I know there's this concept of schema drift. We do a lot with Databricks. So the schema of the data, add a new column, remove a column, you know, those kind of things, the schema of the data, this column was a number, but now it's a text value or something along those lines. There are times and in, in cases where when you're starting to talk big data or, or data science things, there's this concept of schema drift. And I feel like there's a similar concept around data drift as well. Um, things will change. And you just kind of have to adapt with them. That's part of what you see here. So and in, in any way, um, yeah, there was one thought around there. Tommy, you, you mentioned something about you, you don't know these things until you've been through them. I feel like there's, when I went through, when I studied through my master's in data science, I felt like there was a portion in, in, in that study that gave you the basics. Like you, you, mm -hmm. you hear about like, you know, changing, slowly changing dimensions. And then you kind of like, oh yeah, okay, I got to get it. But you don't you don't have like solutions and like okay well what does a slowly changing dimension do for my data and then what is the pattern that I use to take that slowly changing data a slowly changing dimension and how do I conform it into something that Power BI likes to read such that I'm not having to refresh everything or you know how do you apply the update date so if you're going to update records how do you apply like there's all these other kind of interesting things that can go along with it how do you apply these changes and I think it's you can learn about them, but when you put them into reality or to practice, that's when things for me started really clicking and like, okay, I can see this data being slowly changing dimensions. And then I can see the downstream challenges that go with that slowly changing dimension. Oh, I'm going to have to refresh this entire table because these records that were older have to be updated. So you, you start having these like patterns, I think that you observe and how you do uh, different things around changing dimensions. Anyways, 
Yeah, it sounds to me that we're we're breaking down the problem solving. There's different components of it, right? And you're speaking to one of like identifying a problem. Yes, correct. And identifying the source of the problem, right? Where it, it it's whether it's the technical or the personable, right? Because I think a lot of times too, we are putting on different hats that are not just in the data field, where we're not just in the tech field, where we're, we have a table up and transformations, where it's very much, and I, I've seen this countless times it's it's a people problem or it's a process problem mm. that it doesn't matter what you do on on the code side or it doesn't matter what you do on your on the data side if people are not doing things the right way it you're going to always run into that problem and okay. you have to put in that project manager hat i like what you're saying here on these things so uh, yes i've been i've been speaking very much to like maybe the technical challenges mm -hmm. of data um i would wholly wholeheartedly agree there's two other areas to this that we talk through all the time uh, with about people and process. Do you have any examples of a piece, a people or process problem that you've identified? Oh, do I? Seth, I'll, I'll, I'm sure the, the multitude, I'll let you go on this one. I'm sorry. Oh. I'm just engrossed in the chat. Yeah. Go ahead. So, <laughs> all right. I'll, I'll... <laughs> Tommy, you, maybe you should take this one sure, lead yeah. and then we'll, we'll come so, back. So ours was actually around, um, we actually built a power app and we built this process for review approvals that had to do with like a product life cycle. And uh, we heard from people like what it did for the company, it saved like half a million dollars in terms of we created all this in-house. It was yep. great. It was yep. incredible. We actually ran into a problem though, where all of a sudden all these products were getting introduced into the system that didn't have the right variables and, or the right values. And everyone was wondering why. Yep. Well, it turns out one of the teams went around the system and asked like one of the techs, hey, can you just upload all these products to the system? Which meant there were no approvals, which meant it didn't get to it didn't go through the right like notifications. It just got uploaded as active. Yeah. Right. Yep. And it was one of those like, well, how did that happen? Kind of thing like these. And it, it literally was one of those in a sense loopholes yeah. where we had identified like it doesn't matter if the technology worked perfectly. If you do this you know, if that's an avenue that someone can do, you have to, in a sense, identify it and then also go through like, hey, any products that go through have to go through the status. Yep. You know, so and just one of those things that you would never think that would ever happen. Well, I mean, this is this is what, what we've said, I think, a number of times. People are crafty. This is a great example of that. <laughs> People are crafty yeah. and they will go around. If something is too complicated or too mm -hmm. difficult to use, people will try to skirt around the edges or figure out other ways of solving the same problem and, and right you know put we put the wrong data field in the wrong column or you know the input right. table or the input software doesn't allow us to do this so we just added it here and so now there's all this you know odd right. data in random fields and you're like well you you need the data but it's not built in a way that allows you right. to like extract oh we didn't know what product type it was so right. we just put it in this arbitrary custom field Great. That just makes it so much harder for me to right. data engineer my way back into this now because now you've just put real data all over the place and we can't get it back. And there are band-aids you can do. Like we asked the the tech, uh, if you upload anything, you basically put a stamp or there's a column that says this was an upload so it can go through things, but it still doesn't solve the problem. Sure. If people are still going to do those other avenues. I like where you went with this one because I, I, I want to, I feel like a lot of the times when I'm, fighting data issues, a lot of what I work on is going down to the root cause. What mm -hmm. was the root cause of the problem? And you kind of identified, here was the problem. We had this system. It, people, someone, someone wanted to skirt around it because it was too hard to add hundreds of new products into this system. And they wanted just to turn everything on active. 
great, fine. You know, I understand your I understand your concern, but we still have a process to follow. Right. And so I feel like, yeah, that's I don't know where I was going with that one. I just kind of lost yeah. my track of my thought on that one. Oh, root cause. No, it, root, root cause, right? Get, but, da, get down I to think, the root of the issue. I, I think that's what experience in problem solving eventually like yeah. can take you all the way back versus sure. Um, if, if your realm is always fixing just, Oh, there's a measure problem or there's a filter issue or, you know, there's something in the report or it's a, a very apparent ETL issue. That's a good one. Like yeah. the core, the core thinking about the sources, where those come from, like root cause analysis of like, Hey, Oh, wow. Like, wow. Somebody completely didn't so, like follow our process. That's how this happened it is a little harder to find for, for some folks. Um, what is, what is humorous about this conversation, right? Is if you've listened to us talking about how do you build an adoption roadmap? How do you build a COE? How do you do all these things organization wide? Like, this is why I chuckle because we're talking about people who, who don't want to enter data the right way. <laughs> and, and, and it's it's positioned again. These are the same people that were saying like, oh, we're going to teach brand new platforms and we're going to yeah. show them how to do this stuff. And they have to learn. And it's like, man, they don't even want to learn. They don't even want to follow the process. Right. So that's, that's where true. like iteration guiding the, the bulk of people because you're never going to catch them all. But it, it, yeah, you always have people streamlining to their own needs versus, you know, the needs of what technically is better for the organization. You know, Tommy, if you right. set things up to work in a, in a certain way so that everything is reporting or it's just a lack of knowledge, right? right? Like they don't understand that there are dependencies on this process. Um, mm -hmm. but that's why the process is typically built. Right. It's yeah, anyway, slight segue, but same, same. No, process. I think that's perfect. And I like the two, two things that you said that I really do like that are related, but I think are integral to this conversation. One is you mentioned like, you know, just put a filter on the filter pane and that will solve the number, right? Where a lot of, that's true. <laughs> well, we've all done that. You're like, I've spent enough time on this. If I put the filter here, the number's right. Good. Goodbye. Publish. But <laughs> you know, let me move on, please. But a lot of times like that never works because someone finds somewhere another page you that that does not account for everything and i think we realize too a solution is a complete solution or if it is a partial solution it's well communicated where we and i mean it's always going to bite us bite us in the behind so to speak mm -hmm. i love um, i love chris wagner's comment some people just like to watch the world burn. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, if you want to watch the world burn, the data world burn. Speaking of firefighting, that's what we do. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah, kind of true to yeah. some degree. We do kind of do yeah. that at some level. You want to watch uh. the world burn? Use your filter pane to get the right number, and don't use DAX. Well, James in introduces an interesting uh, comment here. There was no comment field in on one of his data data sets. Nightmare. He had no comment field, so instead of adding comments in a comments area. <laughs> They added the comments oh, oh. into the address field. So you had the address field of these patients with uh, with a whole bunch of comments in there. So that would have been fun to send stuff to yeah. set a package to somebody then. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope Chris <laughs> Wagner is going to the Print Chicago it, print it out. Yeah. Oh, Goodness. man. Yeah, this, that is great. And then the other thing that I think I might have lost my train of thought, but we were talking about the shoot. It was about the culture, right, where mm -hmm. we can create the right process, but if people don't know correct the right process mm -hmm. or you, you no, might as well not create anything at all but that's right. and i'm i'm allow me to argue here i think that's kind of on us as the complete solution right if we're building yeah, a product absolutely. or a report agree. and we don't provide absolutely. that resource then we didn't really provide the whole solution again we're just not tech that's what we do but if we're like hey the technology mm -hmm. works but you don't know how to use it not my problem 
we didn't problem. If you're rolling, if you're rolling something out, yeah. you you don't have you, you every and that was my point in a mm-hmm. lot of those conversations. Yeah. Like you can't just roll things out without like thinking a new person's going to join the company the next day. Right. Right. Like there you you have to roll them out in such a way that it's like innately there there is no um there's no precursor to you understanding all the information I'm going to provide you. So you also have no excuse for not following it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that I think that's that's dead on. Um, let me ask you guys this too. Or go ahead, Mike. No, I was gonna say I feel like this is um, you know, part of the problem. This is something I see very often. I think people who use Power BI and know how it works or has been able to build a couple of reports, it you kind of just assume everyone else is able to quickly get up to speed the same way that you did with whatever, you know, using drill through or pages or navigation or the filter pane on the right hand side. You also have to in- interpret this in a way that there is a level of your company that has never seen or nor interacted with Power BI before, potentially. Right. And so I think a lot of times there's there's a lot of effort around just communicating like uh, what is like, here's a report. We're going to produce this thing. Here, this report has these features to it. And here's how to use it and or explain it. And, we've, and again, we've talked about this one in the past a couple of times, but I think it's very I'm becoming more and more of an advocate of explaining why visuals are on a page or what is there and having less visuals again to the users who are not comfortable using the report or have seen or seen it for the first time or just starting to get introduced to it you need a lot more explanation as to why things are there what is it doing uh what are we trying to tell you with this information that is being presented on the report so and i think that's a really good point because i've been since our conversations one thing i've been introducing is it, like writing the three questions down on the reference page. Like, what does this answer? Not yep. just what, what the answers are, but what are the questions that yep. this answers? And if we can't do it, you know, that, that's a problem. I think it helps you but, frame a lot about like the, the yeah, scope of the report. Because like, people are going to seriously. say, well, I wanted to do this. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to tell me the weather. Like, we don't right. have weather data. I'm sorry. Like, this report tells you about our product, you know, the sales of our product. And here's the kind of questions we're trying to answer with this kind of report. And I think that helps clearly communicate um, and also, I think it gives you a, I don't know, it's a bit of a CYA, Tommy, to your point, you know, hey, I'm asking for these other things. Like, well, what you're asking for is not included in the original questions. Right. So at least you have another right. another data point to say, hey, look, we, you know, we did meet the objectives. This report does do a certain thing. This is what we're this is this is the backs, the bounded box of what this report should do. OK, what you're asking for is outside of that bounded box. We need to take it back an action right. item. And so this then goes to like. You can use your process now and say, hey, you're missing something. Let us go back to our, you know, write down your request, what you need to get your job done. You give us some business justification for it. And then we can bubble that back up to leadership and say, hey, look, right. we've got a handful of reports that need some improvements. Here's the kind of improvements we're looking for. So either you build a brand new report that meets those needs or you enhance the existing one. What I'm really appreciating that we're doing, just just a, just a mention for everyone listening, that I really appreciate how we're approaching this is we're not approaching this like we have a broken lego set that we're trying to fix we're very much approaching this like we opened up a puzzle box that doesn't necessarily mean it's broken i think we're we're approaching this as something that's not necessarily solved but doesn't mean it's a problem if that makes sense maybe not no i think it does yeah okay so random question yeah or maybe not so random um mike this is kind of kind of in your direction. So, are there different types of problem solving that you would say are inter- you interact with as a consultant versus an FTE? Ooh, good question. 
It's been so long since I've been in FTE. I don't even remember what, it was, what that life was I like know. anymore. That's why I'm asking. There are no <laughs> problems in FTE. Yeah, FTEs, you just you know take a lunch break and go on a long walk and it'll yeah. solve itself. Uh, no. Um... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I know what kind of FTE you were. No, no. <laughs> um, so I, I would say the kinds of challenge, how the, the problem solving works, I think it's is fairly similar. Um, I feel like as a consultant, you are coming in as the expert. So you you either better have other experts around you that are smarter than you in certain areas. So, you know, I have a, I participate in a number of like chat forums around other things that are very specific to Power BI. Um, I also have an ear to Microsoft. So as Microsoft MVPs, Tommy, Seth and Mike and, and all of us, I just talked about myself in the third person. Awesome. All of us are MVPs. So we actually have a support team. We can actually go reach out directly to the Microsoft team directly and talk to them and ask them specific questions. So if something as an FTE, I mean, you may or may not have that MVP title on yourself, but if you did have that, usually there's a, there's a level of people always above you. And this is, again, let me frame my question here, what, you're, what you asked Seth, so I can maybe articulate this a little better. I liken um, working with different teams or projects as if you're playing with a band. Right. Uh, when I, I'm a drummer and I play with some people and I always found that my skills of my my drumming always kind of leveled up a, a notch when I started playing with people that were much better than me. So I think surrounding yourself with people who are further down that journey, who have done worked on data models that are larger than you, finding a community of people that are willing to share their information with you and help you grow, I think is very helpful. So as a consultant, if I'm working on a problem uh, I'm coming in as that expert person, right? I'm I'm expected to know the answers to all these things that are going inside uh, the client's environment. So very rarely do I, well, I've been doing this for a long time now. I very There's very few things that I haven't been able to solve or haven't solved already. Um, but sometimes in that FTE position, you are not as exposed to as many different varieties of problems. So you're kind of on a specific project. And some of the people that I've hired into my company who've come from the FTE role, they loved what they did previously, but they were kind of a, a cog in a wheel, right? You have your kind of your, your line of business that you work in and you're not really exposed to much else outside of that. And so I feel like in those cases, an FTE, um, the challenges or the problems are, the, the root causes are very, they're more narrowed, right? I have this product line, I'm doing this specific thing, I'm working on this data issue. Um, I only work with Dynamics. That's the source system of what we talk to. You don't have a lot of other exposure to, like as a consultant, where now I'm doing like, you know, I'm connecting to other sources, you know, HubSpot, Databricks, all these other solutions. So I think the, the rate or the pace of learning for me has been accelerated as a consultant, but I'm also expected to know a lot more across the spectrum of things as opposed to what I've observed in some of the FTE positions that I've brought people on for. So I, I don't know if that really talks no, to that it, it, to the root it, cause. It definitely, it definitely talks to the, the track I thought you were going to talk along, which reinforces, I guess, my point, which is you know what I do. <laughs> so, so what I what I mean by that is like I think in terms of problem solving, consulting versus FTE, I think one is more technical driven usually, and one is Good more call. business logic driven. Right? I would agree so with that in terms of deeper insights. So that's that's not to say that um, in consulting, you you get a breadth of experience across industries, yes. which provides you some 
some very good insights into whether or not an organization is doing things like way wrong because you've seen correct way right. You've seen both probably. Like yes, the oh, yeah, totally agree. In those yep. those industries or data areas that give you better insights that allow the you know you to make recommendations to a business. Hmm. I think though that and there are some positions like you said that are very silo pipelines and there's nothing there's no anomalies there's it's just it could get repetitive and boring. Sure. Right? But I think where I find FT position like particularly like mine right now interesting is if there are a lot of deep insights or very data sets and different things to engage in and solve problems for yes you get a lot more nuance and a lot deeper understanding of of those areas and how they work and um mixed in with the technical yes right so there's technical problems that you're solving but at the same time like the, it, it'll you're much more involved in the business hmm? success yep as opposed to not like a little higher level of you know you're building a, a full-on solution in an area and you're relying on folks that you're engaging with i'm sure right mm -hmm. to provide you insights when Correct. things aren't working as as they you would expect so that that was the distinction i i thought there and yes. I, you know is reinforced i think and i think let me add a little bit more because this what you're asking also dovetails very well with another question that came from linkedin how would you recommend developing more experience as an fte all right, so I, I've kind of played both worlds here, so a little bit. So I'll give you a bit of my flavor on how I think this would work and be curious your guys' reactions as well. So I think as an FTE, how do you gain more experience around these other peripheral things? Now, here's a general observation. This is totally generalized. This may be different for every company. But I feel like the smaller the company, the more opportunity you have to get exposed to different challenges and different problems. Because one person has to wear more hats within that organization. Right. If I'm a team of 10 people and that's our company and I'm the data guy, I'm there connecting to any and all data to support the entire team of people. All of it. You know, it doesn't matter. So I feel like you have you have more responsibility in that space. However, go to a Fortune 100 company, which I worked for for a number of years. Now we have very clearly delineated roles. You, you are there's enough work to be done that people are being hired for very specific purposes. Hey, you are the data team. Hey, you are the hardware engineering team. Hey, you are this, like we have, this is a product line and you, you engineers work on only this product line. You may have 30 product lines, but you're just on one of those many different product lines. So if you think about the, the scale of the company, I think it really changes your, your experience there. So this is how I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this back around. How would you have, how would you generate more experience as an FTE? I think to do that is to integrate with more different uh, different different departments of the business as you can. Um, also, I think as an FTE, when you get to companies of larger scales, they typically have some sort of learning or training path for you. So if something is interesting to you and you want to learn something that's outside of your scope of or, or near to your scope of what you're doing in your daily job, um, try to work with your manager to produce uh, an action list or a training list or some things you're going to do on your own that the company will support. Hey, I want to learn about Spark. And Databricks, this is something that's kind of close to my data space. It's something I think is interesting. So either try and work on a project, get involved somewhere in, in internal to your company, or work with your manager to find some training exercises or some other things that you could do that would be on company time that can increase your value as an employee by becoming more well-rounded in different areas. Now, I'm saying this with a very kind of a idealistic mindset, 
because I definitely think there are areas in businesses where they're like, nope, we want, we need you to do the, 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 the one thing. Um, and so I've been in a couple roles where I was hired to do a specific job and that job was not what aligned with my long-term career plan. And so at that point in time, in a bigger company, I was able to look for other positions inside the organization. So, you know, for me, every three to five years inside that company, I was kind of looking to move to another role to learn something new, whatever tickled that next nugget of, um, you know, interesting uh, learning for me. I just always loved continually learning. So I kind of hopped more roles in the company uh, and then jumped into different areas that eventually landed into data analytics and found like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I was, I was looking for and trying to find, we, we, we just talked about this recently mm -hmm. where like, how, how do you put yourself in a position to find the right things within an organization? Right? Yes. Like, so, so to, to dovetail into like the problem solving, right? Like find the right problem to solve. Right. So yes. if your company's doing OKRs, right, like there should be directives or really important things that the business wants to solve. And by by understanding what those are or plugging in or talking to your manager, you know, where they're like, oh, it'd be great if, you know, we could do this thing and mm -hmm. uh, or we have no idea how to solve this problem and, and looking at other ways to solve it, um, whether it's data systems behind the scenes or, you know, on-prem versus cloud, right? I think part of that, so find the right problem, but also you need to be in the right company that's supporting that, that kind of thing, right? Like yeah. if you're an all on-prem you know, not going anywhere, 2008 SQL, and you want to learn the cloud. It's going to be a hard sell. And he's not going to be there. It's going to be a hard right? sell to so your manager you're, to you're get to that level. To, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to be able to dovetail your interest into a, a, a company side thing. Does that mm -hmm. mean you can't, can't learn that? No. no. Right. But yes. one of the great things about being an FTE is typically where you can align those um, interests to something that is beneficial to the company, Correct. there's usually a symbiotic relationship there that like, oh, you want to go solve this problem on your own time? Yeah, we'll spool up this thing for you. Yep. And if you're, you're cloud first, it's much easier to do that right. because you can be like, oh yeah, well, we'll just spool up a small service. You can do this thing, go have fun. Um, you know, obviously there's guardrails on budget, you know, and, and certain things like that. But at the same time, if you're saying, hey, I want to go on my own time, solve this business problem or do a POC to see if this is a good approach for us, that makes sense to a business, right? But I think that all dovetails into like, how do I do that within my own company and problem solve? Like mm -hmm. adopt a learning mentality. Like you're, you should always be learning something from a technical perspective because you're going to be learning the business side every day. Yeah. And there's, there's definitely parts of that. Um, allow me to take that a step further. First, absolutely the learning mentality where any project you have if you're FTE, you're going to have a smorgasbord of problems and tasks and projects to deal with that you can probably pick from, especially if you're in the, the data side of it. But I don't think it's as much as what problems you're tasked with is the way you approach those in your job role, whatever that job role is. Because I think you have to be a little more crafty being FTE than a consultant who, to exaggerate a little, you know, can sometimes be seen as riding on the donkey down the street where it's like, oh, good, the consultant's here. But even if someone has the same skill set in in house, and I say that because of this, where if you go into if you're FT and you go into every problem that you're tasked with, like, yes, I'll do exactly that kind of thing. Like, yes, that's my task and I will complete it. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not really going to be as seen as, you know, someone to be looked 
towards where if you are if you are tasked with a few problems or projects like but you come into them yeah and you come into them where how you're going to really really problem or really problem solve the actual problem not just your task you know you working with your boss like hey i know you said you asked me to do this or i know the project's doing this but is this scalable like is this going to work in six months like what are we really trying to do here i had some ideas mm -hmm. and going in and, and being consistent in that mode of thought i think over time your boss or other people will see you in a certain way or you're going to begin to implement that you may not be able to do that right off the bat but you can't just say, I want to do these problems and then I will become a problem solver. Correct. You have to have that mindset, even if people necessarily don't uh, adopt what you're saying, but coming into each one like, okay, does this really make sense for the long run? What are we trying to do here? What systems are we going in? Asking the questions that really make something uh, a true solution. I think, and I think when we talk about um, a lot of the, again, this, this is a lot of the opportunity that I think there's now. So like never before, Right. I'll give you another analogy. My car, this over the last two weeks, for whatever reason, just would turn on and just idle only. I'd press the gas pedal. There would be no revving. The engine would just, the engine would just stay into idle mode. And so I was like, "What the heck? What is this doing?" You still in the same car that I I know? Oh yeah, the 2005 okay. Toyota Camry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> this makes sense. I'm still. It's it's got 165 thousand miles on it, so it's yes. it's getting up there. Yes. But I mean, I identified your problem. Exactly. <laughs> Found your problem. Well, hey, so the cause. other hand, yeah, root cause. <laughs> exactly. So that I, I go online and I Google this, you know, engine won't, won't rev and the little engine check engine error light came up. And because I'm an, an engineer, I have this little code reader for my car. So I just take the code reader in. I get a code, uh, you know, whatever the code is, P2112, whatever that is. I go out and Google it and it says, okay, it's your throttle body assembly. Okay, what is that? And Google that a little bit later. A couple of YouTube's video later, I found I stumble across some guy replacing or cleaning his throttle body on the car. And I'm like, okay, I can clean it here. So within like, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, I've learned what this thing is. I've learned how to go clean the, uh, the part. I've learned how to go take the car apart enough to go uh, see where the issue was. And yeah, there, there in fact it was like a, I had the car off. I turned the key on. I pressed the gas pedal. The there's a, it's basically the little butterfly valve on the air intake that you opens up when it wants more air or closes when it doesn't need more air. It was just stuck closed and it would not open. And something inside the little machine in there broke. So, you know, a couple hours later, in I'm 2005. You could still fix your car. Exactly. Phenomenal. Exactly. As opposed to like, well, you need a full new mechanical. <laughs> But it's but the point here is like new digital keyboard. Exactly. The point is like a lot of the a lot of, there's nothing new under the sun. Like someone has already come to these problems and fixed them. And doggone it, you know whatever whatever the thing is you're trying to fix or solve or look for, someone has potentially made a YouTube video about it already. And so the wealth of knowledge that is already out there, you can just go Google this stuff and figure out things. Now, granted, this now becomes another problem where you have to discern. What you're googling is it really good or is it not good there's like a whole you know is this you know good good information or bad information you have to discern but on the other hand it helps me like the 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 amount of free information that is out there is in is amazing now before the internet you have to go get a book and read a book until you figured out what this issue was or you know have physical stuff you had to go sift through it's incredible now so this this kind of segues to a question I was going to ask earlier, but 
you raise an interesting thing. We're dealing now right outside the sphere of data and Power BI into cars, where my problem solving on this would be, I'm not very good with cars. So, but the idea here, you are now going down this path, call it a rabbit hole, so to speak, where now oh, yeah. all of a sudden you're, where you're all of a sudden like, not a mechanic, but you really, the intricacy of your car. I've dealt with this and I want to ask you guys if this is something that maybe I, I share either alone or this is something we all struggle with where we do love problem solving, but it can become a, a, an impediment impediment rather than something that's always a positive mm -hmm. where we can always go down like oh yeah well i'm gonna hey why isn't this working in azure even though i have no jurisdiction in it i have no knowledge in this but i'm gonna figure out this one random column change and now you have a hundred tabs open and you might have solved this very micro problem but you're no longer dealing with the bigger picture does that happen to you guys in um do you think that's a the kind of the two coins of the way we think or the other side of the coin, the two sides of the coin. I would say the number of times that's happened versus finding a problem, like the problem with the small sample set is really, really small. Mm -hmm. Like it can, it can happen. Yeah. Right. But I guess one of the things we haven't talked about of like, uh, what are the specifics are of our process, you know, in terms of mm. solving the problems. Right. And, and maybe this is where that dovetails into there. Because when when a problem is identified, however it's identified, like start simple, right? Mm -hmm. What are, what are what are is it a visual? Is it, it somehow there's a, a filter that's applied to it and that's messing with the the measure, right? Is it the measure itself? Is it the model relationship? Like you start from the front and kind of walk your way back. And <clears throat> how I typically do that is find an example or a couple examples of mm. what the what what is represented in the raw data as as the thing that's breaking mm. right i may not understand why it's happening but i like this is the cause for data not to show up right and by having these examples yeah a small thin slice it allows you to narrow your focus down from like oh my gosh it could be a hundred different things down to okay i've found an example of right. what this is and now i can take the data pieces back through towards you know the raw sources to figure out you know where is the breakdown or the problem happening i would say you know like a lot of my realm back in the day was doing a lot of this in sql right but it's multiple systems now some like mike's talking databricks like so you could be going through azure data factory or uh, some databricks process and notebook to notebook before it gets into your power bi report or you know maybe it's part partially sql partially databricks you mm -hmm. know who knows right but having having that example typically leads to oh okay i found where the uh, the problem potentially is let's expand that right to a larger data set now now that i think i've found where the problem and I, and if i did by by broadening to a much larger data set yep should i see the same issue across all of them mm -hmm. yes right it's, it's whereas one. like yep. typically what you're kind of outlining is you know taking that one row and then that leading you down a completely different path and mm -hmm. i'm like that rarely happens yes i guess in in, in how i approach right. that that grain and walking back i mean if if that's what you're talking about from a data perspective if yeah like technology anytime we're dealing with a specific problem where there's in a sense the sub problems within it mm -hmm. and you're just trying like i am the type of person where anything that to your to your point that i become a sponge where i try to learn every 
aspect of it. And if I'm dealing with something that doesn't seem to be turning out the way it should be, I'm, I need to find out why. But what occurs like, with that, yeah, is to your point. So, so I do. Okay, I get where you're going. Right? Yeah. Like, what I would try to do in this is understand what the problem is that you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. Because yes, you can deviate down a hundred different routes depending, yeah. like when you start getting into code, right? If that's where it's really important that you understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. When I'm thinking through code, I'm thinking business. Like I'm thinking mm -hmm. the logic behind things. I'm not necessarily looking at like this result doesn't look right. Oh my gosh, like this join is doing this. But if I right. don't understand the relationships of how something is being created, then you're going to have more problems and you could potentially deviate into different areas right. because you're not locked into like how the data is going to be transformed in the operations that you're, you're doing. But it's always a good idea to like, wait, like go into this with the parking lot mentality, right? right? Mm -hmm. You may find a bunch of different weird stuff, but don't deviate from the thing that you're trying to solve. Well, especially with what we do, right? Where there's a thousand possibilities of what the code or the technology can do. Uh, a great example is with the PowerShell, right? Where I was trying to create a better script or, you know, like we were learning to, took a GitHub repo and I was immediately, I had a thought like, why is this doing this? Like it was basically grabbing an object and you could basically store in another file you know, like all your secrets and keys and other values. I'm like, well, that's cool. What else could you do with that? And immediately I'm on a different road, <laughs> you know, it's called like the squirrel, man. It's yeah. The, the squirrel. squirrel kind of thing. But now like, and I'll show it today in the demo. Granted, I, I think I, the parking lot idea is better because I probably wasted more time than I needed to, to understand about objects. And then I'm looking at, Oh, what are other things you can do? Oh, look, is there a module that can do this? And then mm -hmm. I, there's a thousand questions. And the thing is this, it's, <laughs> it's almost like a drug where, yeah, you can get into this, but you better watch how much intake you do because it's very easy to under like gain too much knowledge all at once. Because there's, there's so many things you can diminishing learn. Diminishing rate of return, mm -hmm. right? Like, and, and I like the fact that you brought up this point because the further down you go, some rabbit holes, if you're not solving the problem, you're not solving anything. You're for creating problems. You're just, you're just wasting a lot of time yeah. in reality, mm -hmm. right? Like you might've found this one edge case, but it's point zero 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 one. Right. Like nobody's ever going to find it. Right. Sure. So that's where it's like lock in. It's the same thing we tried to do with reports, right? Yeah. What, yep. what is the objective? follow that path all the way through and if you find a bunch of things along the way great just don't divert your attention to them because then you you can get spun around the axle right and just confuse your whole your the whole purpose of why you're spending all this time to go figure out where a problem is to the point where you're like what was the problem i was trying to solve yeah and then you start creating problems right, in your report right, right. An another one I like where you guys are going with this line of thought here, and I want to bring, I want to introduce an idea or a concept here um, around when you're doing data engineering. I think, I think there's this concept of you. Let me let me see me paint you a picture here. Um, often, I'll write, you know, in Databricks or some data engineering pipeline, we're going through bronze, silver, gold level of data. We're in, enriching this information and getting it ready for reporting. Sometimes you need to make some just general assumptions about your data. Right? Here's the products. And I assume that for product details, I'd have a price for each one. So as you're doing your data, you just, you kind of do some spot checks as you're going through. 
and I know I've done this a lot on on data that I'm not familiar with, I'll assume some general things. And to to your point, Tommy, there's there's sometimes going down these squirrel or rabbit trails of stuff, right? You, you can't always assume your code you wrote to do the data engineering is going to be 100% right all the time. Mm-hmm. So you assume something like, hey, I'm I've got this product dimension table. I assume that every product has a price, or I have logging data. And I assume every event has a date and time associated with it. So what you can do is you can do a very basic, and I do a lot of things where I count stuff, right? Okay, I'm in the bronze layer. I do a quick, okay, star count star of this table. Okay, I've got a million records here. Great. Let's go to silver. Do I have roughly the same amount of records? Great. Okay, we're about the same. So you do some kind of spot checks. And so there is this constant, I, I find myself constantly doing this process of, I'll assume something, I'll make an assumption. As I'm doing this data transformation, I would assume that the total number of records would not change. Do my transformation, and at the end, I count the number of records I had at the end of the transformation and confirm that I didn't lose any data. Because that that indicates to me there's potentially a uh, an error or something I introduced into my data engineering process. So, you know, for whatever this process may be, whether I'm moving my data through these different tables or whatever... You know, yeah, Thomas is saying this also counts for joints. If you're joining two tables together, you're doing a left join. Okay, I assume the left table has 10,000 records in it. If I join to it, I would assume I still have 10,000 records or some, or, you know, inner joins. You, you can do all kinds of assumptions like that. And I find it doing this very quick, repetitive process of assume something, do the thing, confirm or deny your assumption helps you go back through. And that becomes really good in problem solving. Uh, to kind of iterate through these issues where you're like, where's the data going? It's missing. I have a whole bunch of blank uh, blank records here, or even in Power BI reports, I've got a star schema or a model going, and I'll, for some reason I'm like, here's all the data. I, I should have had a number of records here. Where did they all go? And when you start making, you know, I'll do I'll go to another page in the table and I'll start with a blank sheet of paper and I'll grab a dimension and then I'll grab some measures and see what what pops out inevitably there's usually a very common problem is there is a join missing or there's values that are not aligning between two different tables in the relational model and therefore i get a huge number on a bunch of blanks and i have only little numbers for where the the join actually occurs so um it it's it's a lot of like these very quick iterations on this stuff and again when i'm debugging stuff in power bi i'm hitting i'm making many new tabs and I'm dragging single dimensions over and I'm adding measures or very simple things so I can then quantify, okay, if there's a weird snowflakey thing going on, I, in each of those arms of the snowflake, I'll go out and grab a dimension that I think should be there and test it all the way through. And that's how I'm kind of like just verifying my assumptions of does this data connect together correctly? That's very similar, though, to what we talked about from the business side of problem solving where... yes. Taking that both approach where anytime you get into a, a task, it's very, it needs to start with what are we really trying to do here? What's our objective, right? But taking that to the micro level, even if you're doing joints or even if you're trying to solve a DAX problem, like I'm going into this, I don't know the answer or how to get to the answer. What am I really trying to do helps us direct path. And that approach, I think going into that in an iterative process is huge for me especially i take that in any business side of like a new report or a new project or new data system is what's the end goal what is this Mm -hmm. going to connect to are we going to be using this in power bi are going to be what's the input coming from 
Yes. Is this scalable? Does this work in this, you know, in this situation? Does it work in other situations? Yes. And I think to, to your point, especially when we're doing the joins, you can, if you don't have that mindset, all of a sudden you have 18 queries that are duplicates and you're trying to test all these things where you're not really trying to solve the problem anymore. Well, the in, but original I would, but problem. I would say like, I would say what, what, what Mike's addressing is like, I think a, a lot of people just whip code out yep. without right. doing what, without doing what Mike's talking about. Just a right. couple, just a couple mental you checks. Can't just assume, right. You can't just assume no matter how much you know the data that everything you're writing is just going to come out on the other yeah. end. Okay. Yes. Right. No, a thousand percent. Right. So it, it's, part of that process i yeah. think another thing that that is correlates to this but in certain scenarios with with data problems is if you have um multiple different areas to solve volume and impact testing is also like oh uh, yes a really really important to kind of structure where you spend your time right because you talked about the rabbit trail before right but if it's okay, I know I have a problem, but what is that problem in context, or I have several problems, what is that in context of the total data volume, right? Well, it, I, I'm going to spend my time on the one that's 20% of my data, right? Versus the the uh, 5% of my data, right? Yeah. So, yep. uh, like, it, and, and the business at some point has to probably say, yeah, don't waste any more time on anything that's two or less, right? Yeah, right. it's like we, we know we have problems somewhere, but like we've we done this before, Seth. Another week on this. Yeah, this right. this <laughs> is this has been a direct example that we've done. Like, hey, we have like just going back and saying, hey, look, you know, last week we had eighty percent of our data matching. This week we're at like ninety nine point five percent of our data matching. Like, and then you can say there are still issues here. There are still data problems, but then you're like, do we really need to solve that problem? And can we, like, is this an acceptable tolerance of errors in our data so that we can move forward? And usually the answer is someone's got to say, or someone's got to have to make the decision. Yeah, that's fine. We're good enough. Like we've, the, the issue that you're drawing up is so small, of the larger data picture. I, I love that analogy there because it's, again, it's focusing your effort in the right area. That's a really good, I know we're getting your time, but this is a really good aspect of what we do where a lot of times we may not solve the problem a hundred percent, or that is impossible sometimes, right? Where we have like an MVP or minimal viable product that we have to deliver is, is how much is that in your thought process as you go into certain problems? Well, I, what, what your thought, even though me, I know you don't ever create problems, but well, what you your know. comment meant initially made me think of was, you know, I could solve the problem 100% right now, today, and right, and so, but if I don't control the source of the data, if I don't control, mm -hmm. like, who is the data steward of that information, again, Tommy, to your point here, right, there was a process, there was a power app that was loading data into something, some system. When, when someone veered away from that, that power app, and started to do something on their own, you technically do not control, like, you have a process around it, but sure. you didn't control it someone else was a data owner of that source and all you were doing is picking it up and trying to put it into your reports and all of a sudden you've got all these blank missing values like where'd that come right. from right so once you get down to the root cause i feel like a lot of what we do as data engineering is we're the middlemen we don't necessarily control the source system we can put checks and balances in place to kick out or throw away bad data but at the end of the day our output is expected to be clean good decision making data at the other end and i think this is what becomes challenging for us as data engineering people because we're like we're like we're like a, a program manager we have all the responsibility or we have all the all the responsibility but none of the power 
right? It, you got to come up with clean data. So it's at some level, um, we have to push these challenges back up to other teams and say, look, you're giving us junk data. Yes, we can fix it, right. but it's going to slow down our process. We're going to add more steps to get data cleaned or, um, you know, we, we need a better way of communicating what expectations of data are. And this actually dovetails very well. I saw a LinkedIn post from someone, I think it was at Airbnb, a, a data engineer there. And they said there was like four major skills that a data engineer should be comfortable with. One should be uh, articulating your data quality as you're doing data pipelines. And I thought that's a really good example. Um, it's, and there's a couple other examples in there. I have to go look it up. But that's one area that I think is very important for us to be clear about is data quality. What are we trying to do? What we're trying to accomplish? And when a lot of these root causes that we have problems with comes down to quality of the data was maybe somewhat off. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Seth? I agree. Excellent. Let's go with that. That's like a good time to end this one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we've done it again. We burned through a really good hour of just general. Uh, what's your problem? Uh, doing some just general problem solving. I hope we gave you some techniques here. I hope we uh, illuminated your mind to some ideas on how we problem solve and how we work through various problems here. Um, maybe we'll have another one of these conversations moving forward. I think this was a good topic. Um, with that, our only ask is we, we appreciate you listening to us. We appreciate your time with us. Um, if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe, hit the bell, or give it a, a thumbs up. Any one of those things help us and, and spreads the word about the podcast a little bit more. If you're not watching the podcast, Tommy, where else can you see the podcast? So you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Google Podcasts, anywhere you normally would listen to a podcast. We're probably there. Make sure to subscribe. Leave us a rating. It helps us out a ton. Hmm. And again, if you are listening right now, there's a live podcast. Join the conversation. And as always, one of the things that can help us out a, a ton for all of these early mornings and after holiday parties and all the fun stuff is share the podcast with people you know. Uh, do it on social media or do it, I don't know, to someone or talk that to you know them. Or talk to a real person. Yeah. Or talk to a real person. That's also a thing. So, Awesome. Well, thank you all very much. We appreciate you. And we'll see you on Thursday.